You're listening to the Synergy Leadership Podcast, a discussion with engaging, empowering, and enlightening leaders about the greatest competitive advantage in business and entrepreneurship that often goes unrecognized, a team's energy. Here's your host, the woman who puts the energy in Synergy, Karen R. Jenkins. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Synergy Leadership Podcast. I am so excited to have one of my dearest friends and a wonderful, I'm going to call it community advocate that does so much in our community, Ms. Tanya Rodriguez-Hodges. I want to welcome you, Tanya, to our podcast. And of course, you're the executive director and corporate trainer for Latino Communications. But I want to, you know, instead of me doing that, I want you to introduce yourself to our audience and share some of your background that brought you to this point in your career. Thank you, my dear. It's always good being with you, even if it's virtual. And I so appreciate you even asking me to be on the show. But I am, like you said, Tanya Rodriguez Hodges, more Hodges than I was Rodriguez. Been married now for a little over 30. We're going into 35 this year. And I'm the ED here at Latino Communications. And our mission is very simple. We foster intercultural partnerships for the purposes of empowering our low wealth communities. We do that through uh, affordable housing, financial literacy, and healthcare advocacy and our food program. And we are in our 10th year here. And we've been doing it because we want to go to Tahiti and we like getting money in. That's not true. We do it because we love the community. And for all the blood, sweat, and, blood, sweat, and tears, it is always so satisfying to move someone from rentership to home ownership or move someone from predatory lending. And that's their thinking behind what banking is and move them into a true banking situation where they're saving and they understand budgeting and credit. So we do it because we love the communities that we serve and everything we do free to the communities. We offer all of our programs for free. And of course, they are always done bilingually sensitive in both Spanish and English. You know, I'm always impressed with you, Tanya, and all that you do. So it just hit me that you and I have another thing in common, that we both have been married 35 years this year. So yay to all four of us. We have survived. Yes, we have. (laughs) So share with us, you know, when you talk a lot about what you're doing and how you pour into the community, share with us about your particular background and how it prepared you for your community advocacy. I am a former VP, junior VP for Citibank before the merger with Travelers. And my division were, we were in charge of introducing what we now know as ATM machines, but kiosks, that's what they were called back then, to low wealth communities so that we could get opportunity back into the hands of the consumer to be able to access their money without going and stretching outside of their immediate comfort zone of their residence. And it went off without a hitch. It was very successful in the Bronx and Manhattan. And then we went over to Brooklyn and into Queens and eventually to Staten Island. Clearly, I'm talking about New York City. I should have prefaced to say that I'm a New Yorker or a New Yorican, as some would like to say. And we moved here shortly, a few years after September 11th. My husband was a first responder and as were many people in his family because they're all law enforcement. And we moved here, bought the house sight unseen. We 
moving by faith. And I know that's difficult for some people to understand, but I just knew that this was our place. And my brother's been here for decades. So I knew that I had that cushion, if anything were to go wrong. We moved in. It was the best thing for us. It was, it got our children out of a stop and frisk mentality in New York. That's what they were doing back then. And we moved here to people saying hello to you on street corners and not knowing you. But what we saw once we moved here, and I thought I would just be a stay-at-home mom, I just was desperate to be with my children and be a full-time mom. What I noticed was that there was a lot of lot of products for the African-American community, for the low-wealth community, for our you know Caucasian community, but there was nothing being done for the Hispanic community whatsoever. There was no language, nothing translated, no products from the bank, no products from HUD. And it was frustrating. So I bothered my brother enough in that space that he finally said, you know, you really need to get your own thing and I will help you do that, but you need to get out of my office every day in Sumter because we can't address these issues like you can. And that's how Latino Communications was actually born. We now go by Latino CDC, but that's how we were born. And we continue to be that North Star for very many families that moved to South Carolina. Well, we thank you for all that you do for our community, specifically for the Latino community. But when you help the Latino community, you help the overall community at large. So I, I thank you in advance for all that you've done in the past and all that you're going to do in the future. And you're doing great things. We're just blessed to have you. Um, thank you. As I know, you're heavily engaged in the community and you have amassed a huge network. There are not too many people that I meet in our community that don't know Latanya Rodriguez Hodges. And building your network, it involves creating what I call synergy. And of course, our podcast is called Synergy Leadership. And I believe that synergy is the ability to leverage your energy and the energy of others to come up and create or accomplish a common goal. Can you share an example of a time when you witnessed strong synergy within leadership teams or between organizations as you are in the community? And then what were the key factors that contributed to this synergy? And what were the outcomes or benefits that were achieved as a result of you coming together, working with different agencies or entities to make common things happen? I think that the best example is the thousand year flood of 2015. We all experienced the same issue, the terror, the amazement at the water levels. And then once the water receded, there were many that were left in this pocket of, oh my gosh, what do I do? There's water under my mobile home and I don't know how to get that out. That in turned into this, this issue with humidity and then that turned into mold issue. And synergy came in when... Richland County government came to us, to our table and said, we want to work with you. We want to figure out how we do this to the pocket of community that we know we're just not serving. The news media came to us and said, how can we get this information out there in Spanish language so that everyone understands what we're doing? And that was really a huge part of it. Lexington County government came over, Hershaw County government came in, the state finally came in and said, okay, Clearly, you're doing some stuff. What do we do? How do we do it? And before we knew, it, we were working with all of these different entities, both locally and state, who all had the same goal. How do we help low wealth communities understand 
what products are out there that are free of charge to one, get their home back to where it was before the flood, to not fall for any of the scam artists that, you know, infiltrated our areas as they came in to try to knock on doors, and three, to choose reputable GCs, general contractors, and such, so that the work could be done well and under the guides of the rules or regs of South Carolina. And I tell you something, there was everybody, back then it was even CC's and CC's was like this big thing that had come to town. CC's donated hundreds of pizzas so that we could deliver them. Food Line came in off of Decca Boulevard and said, how can we donate, you know, what do you guys need? And we were like, we need water, we get you water. And it was just a really community-centered, synergistic love movement. And I feel that has moved onward and forward. We now work with more people along the same guides of how do we best serve the people. But there was nothing that came together for me as well, tied in a neat little bow as it did after the floods hit our area. Well, thank you for sharing that. And that was powerful. And it just shows how, what a connector you are and the impact and reach of your specific community. You know, one of the things, and I've known you for a long time, and I've known you to be this giving advocate ever since I've known you. And one of the things I think that we're both passionate about is I'm going to call it empowering people, right? We talk Mm -hmm. a lot about helping people, but there's that adage that, you know, you're not trying to give people fish. You're trying to teach people to fish. So what have you seen in recent years in your leadership and working with other people and trying to help the community come together to give others an opportunity or to give them the knowledge and everything that they need to become self-sufficient? I mean, you and I go back to you know, the foreclosure crisis when we were both housing counselors and helping families that were facing a catastrophic loss of their home, Mm -hmm. but trying to get them stabilized so that they could become productive citizens and do what they needed to do to take care of themselves. So what have you seen in that arena? We live by the three E's here, education, engagement, and empowerment. We feel that you can't have one without the other. And what we've seen time and time again is that everyone, no matter what side of the aisle you are on politically, can always get behind the idea of home ownership and financial responsibility or financial literacy. And I think that movement has been incredible here. All the classes that we've taught with different nonprofit and on behalf of different nonprofit entities here, we've done it through financial institutions. We've done it for Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae because everyone can agree that there's nothing more economically sound than having a family move into their own home, be responsible for that home, pay their taxes, have their children go to area schools, have those taxes then pour back into the educational system. It is just a trickle down effect that everyone can support and get behind. Even in the time where we were going through that mortgage crisis where folks were just thinking that they were gonna lose their homes 
you and I worked some really awesome programs that ensured people stayed in their home with forgivable loan programs, which just means that after a certain period of time, they didn't have to pay that money back. And again, there's nothing greater than knowing you have helped somebody move from a precarious situation into a steady, stable, affordable, and home type of a residence when you knew they're coming from this place of uncertainty. We just recently had someone in a, in a domestic violence situation and we found them permanent rental space. And she's already after so many months asking, okay, now I understand my credit. Now I understand why I can't do this predatory. I can't go to the check cashier place. I have to go to the bank. I have to deposit my money. I understand what that all means. Now, what do I do? And she is right in there. She just, we just started our classes last week and she's right there just so excited. And I can already see for her, even though it's hard for her to envision it, I can clearly see for her a yard two-bedroom, two-bath home for her and her two children. And that's so awesome that you have that vision for her because yeah. by you having that vision for her, you're going to attract it to her. And it's not that she can't have it yet because she doesn't see it. She already has somebody carrying that flag for her and bringing that to her. So, you know, again, back to parallels, you know, our platform now is Engage Enlightening Power. And, you know, we too believe in engaging people, enlightening them with knowledge, and then that ultimately empowers them to be able to really accomplish anything that they want to accomplish. You know, going back to the foreclosure deal, because I know we have some listeners here, I don't want them to give them the misconception that people got into trouble and their whole loan was forgiven. The forgivable part was their rearage. It was the part that they had fell behind. And it might've been one or two payments, right? It might've been three or four payments. Three or four payments to some families are huge. And if you can't get over that hurdle to think that you would lose your home for two or three payments, it's huge, especially if you've been in that home for a while. And we did see some devastation and we did see some families that we were able to help and give them some sense of peace that they could continue to live in their home and raise their families in that way. So Tanya, tell me a little bit about what's going on with Latino Communications now. Where are you guys headed? What is your vision for the next, say, three to five years with your organization? We are going to continue to forge forward with financial literacy and that whole economic engagement and empowerment piece. Actually, we started something new during COVID because that was such a huge blow to our community as everyone else was at home, hunkered down, not able to leave, what people didn't understand fully. And even to this day, they kind of have an idea, but all of those fruits and vegetables and produce and chickens, poultry factories, those folks didn't shut down. And the majority of folks that are working in the fields in agriculture and in our poultry division in particular are Latinos. So we recognize that they were out there doing this really God's work, but they didn't have enough for themselves at the end of it. There wasn't anything for them. So we started these food boxes and this whole program has grown. And so we're continuing to do that. And we average about 2000 pounds of food a month that we are able to identify families and we give them the boxes. It's funny because we were just told by a funder who denied us that we were not sustainable in this program. And I thought, 
I don't want to be sustainable. I want to sustain the families and I want funding to come our way so that we can continue to program. But I know that God has a plan and and that doesn't even worry me. I don't worry about things that I don't need to worry about. That's not my job. My job is just to wake up every morning and do better today than I did yesterday. So those are our plans. We plan on continuing to be here for the low wealth community. We plan on continuing to be advocates. We plan on continuing to stand in the gap for people. And, you know, who I am today was not who I was five years ago. Five years ago, I might have said to someone who said, we don't really have the funds to do this, but we want to reach the Hispanic community. How can we get this done on $100 and a pipe dream? And today I say you are remiss uh, in your thinking if you cannot foresee yourself spending dollars in the Latino community, in the Hispanic community, because our dollars count and we are very loyal consumers. And you should be thinking about not only reaching out to the community, but hiring someone that's fully bilingual, making certain that you have sensitivity training in your workspace and making certain above all things that you are unfair and an impartial employer of people. And if you're going to say you're servicing the community, then make sure that your organization looks like those that you're trying to serve. That is great advice, great advice. And you see it in some instances, you've seen some changes and people going in that direction. And I think having advocates like you in our community help keep that forefront and make sure that it happens. So, you know, as we begin to wrap up, I want you to share with our audience of everything you've experienced on your specific leadership journey. And that is leadership within your organization as well as leadership within our community. What are you most proud of? My team. I'm super proud of my team because I did it alone for so long that I didn't know what it was to have people that would just take over and delegate themselves and say, we're just not going to let you do this. Super proud of my team. I'm super proud of my family, my immediate family, because my fellas have held me down since day one. But I must say that I'm proud of what my mother and my father taught me. They were always talking about, you tell people your truth because you don't know how you can be a blessing to those. So I talk about our time where we almost went into foreclosure in our home in New York. I talk about how when we moved to another state, you know, it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. We were young with three small kids and we thought we're not sure. And we didn't have anything in the cupboards, anything in the refrigerator. And we were just desperate in that moment. So I understand what that feels like. We know what it's like to have a job and then all of a sudden you get laid off and you're not understanding what happened. You went in, (laughs) you went out for lunch, you came back and they told you you no longer had a job. So I think that our personal experiences are an easy way for me to identify with the community and really understand and empathize with who they are and what they are. But I'm proud of the fact that my mother was somebody who never said, oh my God, you know, you can't speak of that. You can't ever. She was like, no, you know, if your panties are on crooked, somebody needs to tell you in the street that, you know, I can see one line and not the other. And she was just that person. She was honest about who she was. And that has transcended with me and my brothers, for sure, who work in this space. And I'm proud as well as of the, the relationships that I have forged. 
people like you and Amelia and so many women in particular that people say, oh, women are catty. Not the women I know. Women I know hold each other down and they're encouraging and you can call them and say, I'm having a bad moment. Can you just help me through this? Can you be my mentor as we go and do this new endeavor? And then, you know, teach me what you know, Yoda, so that I can do better for people. So I'm proud of all of those things. I really am. I'm proud of all of those things. And of course, you know, I'll be remiss to say I'm hella proud of being Latina, married to a handsome Black man, and having biracial children that identify as fully African-American and fully Latino. That is outstanding. And, you know, I've watched you. I've watched you over these years, and everything you say is true. All the things that your mom taught you and how you epitomize everything that she's poured into you and your father too. And I'm so proud of you. Let me say that. And I continue to be proud of you for being you and also for what you do for your family and for what you do for our community as a whole. So as we wrap up, if you could, what one piece of advice or leadership advice would you give to our listeners? Find someone who you admire and make certain that you are reaching out to them. I don't mean to be a thorn in their side, but email them, send them a card, a handwritten letter, something that says, I admire what you're doing and I want to emulate that. Do you mind having lunch with me? And this is what we'll talk about over the 45 minutes. Reach out to people and let them know your weaknesses so that they can strengthen you up and build you up so those weaknesses turn into formidable strengths. And also write down every day what you want to do that day. Everything can, I don't even know that you realize this. You told me a long time ago, you cannot accomplish everything that you want to accomplish at the end of the day and then beat yourself up about it. You have to make priorities, goals, visions, and whatever's left over, it can pass for the next day. And that has gone with me through this time because I make a list every day. I write it down. I have my book right here. I write it down. And what I can accomplish, I accomplish. There's some days where I feel like, you know, I should have done a little bit better, but I accomplished what I accomplished. And that's very important. But I would really say to reach out to people and just let them know your heart so that they can help you get to your next level of greatness. Because once we're gone, we're looking for the next generation, right? The people behind us that want to come up and do better than us and exceed, go further than us to do more work in the communities as we continue to love those that need it. Thank you so much. I'm honored and touched that you would remember something that I shared with you and caring today. That is so awesome. So Tanya, thank you so much for being our guest today. And I know I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I know our audience and listeners will get a lot out of it as well. And if somebody wanted to reach out to you or to your organization to support you, please share with them how they would get in contact with you. Absolutely. On all social platforms, we are our Impacto, which is our impact with an O, cdc.org, or our website, latinocdc.org. And they could always call as well, 803-227-8984. I'd like a phone call, not a problem. 
Excellent. Thank you so much again for taking time out of your busy day to share with us today. We're so honored to have you here and we hope we'll have an opportunity to bring you back again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you always. Thank you. And to our audience, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I've had. I always enjoyed my time with Tanya Rodriguez Hodges and looking forward to our next time together. So until next time, y'all have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Synergy Leadership Podcast with Karen R. Jenkins. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, rate, review, and share our show. See you next time.